Morning, church. Just want to say, as the pulpits and stuff come up, it's. Um, hope I don't cry, but it's. Um, it's been just such an immense uh, privilege to be here on staff for the last 18 years and um, to work with the most wonderful, wonderful, wonderful humans. I don't know if you get to work with wonderful humans. I pray you do. Um, but this this staff here, past, present. Uh, staff are just amazing, and uh, man, they give their lives to see your lives change and God's kingdom glorified, and don't you want to just put your hands together for all of our staff? They're just the most incredible humans, um, and I really, um, I really do count it a great privilege to have been a pastor here uh, for the last decade, um, and I was just thinking this morning um, when I I don't, I, I don't know why Roger and Bonnie let me lead the youth when I was 18. They really shouldn't have, but uh, they obviously saw something. Um, but uh, they made a mistake, um, and they're paying for it for 18 years. So uh, they celebrate as I leave. Uh, no, all jokes, but they, they let me uh, lead here. And um, I remember them phoning and saying, uh, so for the first year, I just did it as a volunteer, and I just loved it, and I was just passionate about Jesus. And... Um, and then the next year, I think it was, they, they phoned me and said, hey, we'd like to pay you for this. And it was like such a bizarre thought for me. I, I didn't never, like it was never a concept that I'd get a salary for the thing that I just love doing. Um, and, and that's really been the story for the last 18 years. I've absolutely counted it a huge privilege um, to do what I love and, and to get paid to do it is just amazing. And, um, and I really, really, really um, have loved preparing sermons to be able to preach God's word. I counted a incredible joy uh, to sit. Um, I drove in here yesterday. I, I, my wife has been so gracious over the last 10 years, allowing me often on a Saturday to come and just spend a bit more time here. I just feel like I need to spend time in the presence of God and just allow the word to just sit in my heart before. And I drove in here yesterday just thanking God uh, for the great privilege of being able to preach his word. I'm, I'm grateful to him. I'm grateful to you. And as Hilt said, um, I will be back to be able to uh, preach when he needs. Um, however, however he needs me to do that. Um, so thank you. Thank you for allowing me to do that for the last 18 years. And um, let me just say this before we kick off uh, or uh, the third part of this series, Joy to the World. Um, I know you know this, uh, but we are really prayerful about what God wants us to share, um, whether it's a once-off sermon or whether it's a series. And God, I, I'm, I'm always amazed, um, even though I shouldn't be, I'm always amazed at how God leads, because we start to speak about these series like a month or two months before, and start to plan, and just, God, how are you leading us? What do you want us to say to the church? This is not just a, hopefully you know, this is not just a good idea. We're really going, God, what, what are you saying in this season? Because there's going to be something our church needs to hear that's specific for our church. And uh, when the word dropped, I think it was into Hilt's heart, and um, he shared about joy to the world, then we all started to pray about it and um, start to prep around it. And um, we didn't know how much tragedy was going to happen in the month of November and December in our church. And I'm just grateful to God for a word and season that carries us. And that's what the word, the word of God from Genesis to Revelation is there to be nourishment and growth and challenge. But then the preaching of God's word is a word and season. And so just trust the leadership here, Hilton Jin, as they hear God for the seasons ahead, as they share Vision Sunday, because I just stand amazed so often to go, I cannot believe we're 
preaching a sermon called Joy to the World um, and what joy really means to us when we desperately need it. And so um, if you weren't here the last couple of weeks, Hilt uh, preached week one, as he mentioned, around joy is from Jesus. Joy is found nowhere else. It cannot be found in what you buy, in the way you live. It cannot be, it cannot be found anywhere else but from the gift of Jesus. It's not happiness. It's not based on your happenings, your surroundings. It's a gift from God. And perhaps the challenge from week one is many of us perhaps have left that gift unwrapped under the Christmas tree. That there is a joy that is available to you. It's free. It's abundant. And perhaps some of us have left it unwrapped under the Christmas tree. Week two, Adele preached a powerful word, as she always does, about others and this idea that our greatest joy is through us, not necessarily to us. Many of us are seeking joy, but we're looking for it for us. And what she was sharing is that perhaps, do you know in like a computer game or a TV game, you get like a cheat code, like a password that can like level you up. You're like, I wonder how I get access to all of these, whatever, weapons. So that I, the cheat code to joy would be the password others. You really want to experience great joy? Don't seek after joy for yourself, but allow joy to come through you and to others, and you will feel this abundant joy. And so Adele shared really powerfully on others. And this week, we look at this idea of joy to you. How do you and I receive joy? How do we live in this triumphant joy? Because no doubt, for all of us, we feel the pain of living on the side of eternity. This hurting, broken, dark, painful, sometimes quite heartbreaking world. And the question today that is being asked is how do we live in this triumphant joy? Perhaps a good way to start is to look at what is the enemy or the rival of joy? Like if joy is in a boxing ring, like who would he or she be boxing? What is joy's rival. And here are a couple of words that would be the rival of joy. Misery, agony, anguish, dejection, despondency, disheartenment. Perhaps the best contender or challenger of joy would be depression. That depression is waging war against joy and in our souls. And there seems to be, and we've spoken a lot about this, but there seems to be this low grade of depression in most people these days. And perhaps that's been because of the last two years and a lack of community and a lack of being in church. I, but, but there seems to be this low grade of depression that many of us feel. And phrases like, I just, I just don't want to get out of bed. Maybe you don't say it out loud, but certainly a thought that goes through your head. Going to bed at night, you're like, I don't know if I want to wake up tomorrow. I don't know if I can handle the day ahead. I don't know if I can do this again. I don't have the strength. I certainly don't have the energy, energy, the drive, or the desire. And for many of us, it culminates in a statement that is something like this. This, this is all too much. I don't want this. And friend, those would not be joy statements. Those would be the rival of joy. Disheartenment, disillusionment, depression. And this is not the life 
that God wants for you. The truth is, for many of us, we are not joyful, we are joy empty. Now, I know that the correct terminology is joyless, but for many of you, you're not even, you, it's, to say that you have less joy is not true. You actually have joy empty. Like, you are so depleted, joy does not exist. Like, if you were in a building and they were like, joy has left the building, joy. Joy has left the building. And some of your wives know that. You like wake up and they're like, Joy did not wake up this morning. Joy is not here. Some of you walk into work and you can just see by the demeanor, they're like, Don't speak to them this morning. No joy. Joy has left the building. And for many of us, joy empty is perhaps the best way to sum up our lives. And we're heading into this Christmas season that's meant to be a happy season. We know that. But if we're truthful, deep within our souls, we're joy empty. We're not joyful. And when we look to next year, no joy. Some of us are a little more hopeful. We're like, it's not all gloom. I have doses of joy. I kind of bounce in between joy and depression, happy and sad. And in stark contradiction to everything that I've just described, which would describe most of humanity in 2022, in stark contradiction, 2,000 years ago, Paul pens these words down. They're pretty famous in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And he says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. To be clear, the word rejoice means all sorts of things around joy. Joyful, lots of joy, cheerful, and God does not mince his words and he does not exaggerate. So when he says rejoice in the Lord always, and then just to be clear in case you missed him, I will say it again, rejoice. I kind of feel like um, it's the way that we speak to our middle child, Roman. He is all sorts of wonderful, the most cuddly, um, happy, um, caring kid. And I just say that because I'm about to say that he is the most moany, grumpy boy. And we're trying to work on that. But he really is the most caring, loving, cuddly kid. You, and so often I will find myself, parents, you've been here, I'll say, Roman Judah, grumpy does not live in our home. So make a choice. Now my two-year-old, Orlando Justice, who pretty much bounces off the walls like Tigger, doesn't have too many grumpy days. He's gotten on to this. And so he goes, Roman Judah, no dumpy in my house. I'm like, Orlando, get to the back of the line. You're not the parent. But friends, some of you need to have a hard look in the mirror and go, no dumpy in my house. Because Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 is not just a good idea. It's actually an instruction. God is speaking to you, friend, and saying, rejoice in the Lord always. Not sometimes, not when you feel like it, not when things are going right. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again for those of you that missed it, rejoice. So how do we live this triumphant, joyful life? How do we wake up joyful? How do we go to sleep joyful in spite of our surroundings and our situation? Well, I want to give you four points that I believe are going to be helpful today in in helping you live a triumphant, joyful life. The first are, you are His joy. This is an incredibly important point, and I will prove it to you, and then I hope that you will start to receive this word over your life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this, For the joy set before Him, Him being Jesus, for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. What God wants you to know absolutely abundantly and make it clear is that you are His joy. The fact that the king of the universe would leave his divinity, come here as a human, and go through the torture of the cross was because of the joy set before him. You are Jesus' joy. You are his delight. When he looks at you, he is overwhelmed with joy. I know this because he's called us sons and daughters, and the way that he re, uh, responds to his son when his son is here on earth is while Jesus is going to be baptized, the heavens are ripped open, and this is what God says about his son. He says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. To be clear, you, you ever think about this? Jesus had a direct line to God. He didn't need, God could have just whispered that into his soul. But he wanted the world to know, because of his adoption of all of us as sons and daughters, he wanted him to know, he wanted us to know, this, this is my boy key. This is my guy. It's my boy. And I take great delight. I take great joy. I love this guy. And I want to give you a disclaimer. This is before Jesus did a thing. No works, no effort, no energy in terms of his ministry. There was no raising of the dead, no healing the sick, no giving food, no making water into wine, no preaching any sermons. This was before he did a thing, and Jesus, go, the Father goes, this, this is my boy. And you can see this when you are a mum or a dad, and your child is born, and you get to hold them for the very first time. A couple of our staff have had kids over the last two months, and here's a couple pictures of them with great delight and great joy. This is Kirst looking at little Cedar and just going, what a joy that you are mine. Next pic, this is Ed with his little boy Cedar. You can see the, the ecstasy, the joy. This is um, Lauren and Craig with their little guy Matt who's at church for the very first time and um, we pray that he gets saved. Um, is Craig just like, man, it's, it's sheer joy. Now, I, I, I don't want to exaggerate this point, but I have to tell you, friends, that in terms of our Christian faith, if you don't understand how wildly and extravagantly Jesus loves you, if you don't know that he is absolutely besotted with you, he can't take his eyes off you. You bring him such sheer joy, not because of anything that you've done. You see, if you don't understand this adoption of sons and daughters, if you don't understand grace and love, if you don't understand that God is besotted with you, you will have a slave mentality. 
Because, and, and you know what happens with a slave mentality? You feel like you've got to earn or work for God's love or His approval or His acceptance. Do you know what happens in that state? In that state, friends, when you have a slave mentality, you start to live a perpetual story of strife and shame and sin because you don't quite yet know and have this revelation in your heart that you're a son, that there's great joy towards you, and that the life that Jesus offers you is one of wholeness and freedom and love and joy. Some of you walked in today, and shame is the cloak that you've walked in here with. And God's like, that's insane. I never put it on you. You put it on you. But we need to get this revelation. And, and, and I remember back in 2009, Roger and Yvonne took uh, Tom and myself and Hilt. We went across to a Hillsong conference. And, and man, I love Jesus at that point. And I was sold out and passionate and reading my Bible. And I'd been at Bible college. But I was just sitting at this conference and Joseph Prince was speaking. And he began to speak about this like besotted grace and kindness that our Father has towards us. And I just, I don't know, I just had this moment that I realized that, like, I think I loved God more than I knew He loved me. Like, I, like I was sold out to Jesus, but I don't think I knew Him as Dad. Now, I remember Joseph Prince saying, here's my challenge to you. I pray, so, sorry, his challenge was that I would pray, or you would pray, for the next six months, every single day, asking God, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would know him better, that you would know his grace and you would know his kindness. Now, this wasn't Joseph Prince's clever thinking. This was Paul's clever thinking through the Holy Spirit because in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, I know it's Bonnie's favorite scripture or one of them, it says this, I keep asking God, I keep asking God, and as pastors, we keep asking God all the time. We keep praying for you. We keep asking God of uh, uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. This can't be your own head knowledge. This can't be your own thinking, friends. This has to be a revelation from the Holy Spirit, something that unlocks your heart, a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. My prayer for you over this season, over the next six months, is that you would wake up every single day and you would say, God, my prayer is a simple one. I want to know your grace. I want to know your kindness. I want to know you better. I did that for six months, and I can tell you sincerely that the trajectory of my life, the freedom to just be a son, to just be, I just, I just stand and know that my dad in heaven tears open the heavens every day and shouts the same thing that he shouted over Jesus because I am now a son. And he looks at me and he says, this, this guy, He's my dearly loved son, and he brings me great joy. So the first point is that we must understand that you are his joy. And that Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You are Jesus' joy. The second point is that we are to ask for joy. And I really mean this, seriously, you can ask God for joy. I mean, we ask Him all the time for patience. God, 
these kids give me patience. When we look at our bank accounts or the plans that we have, we go, God, I'm, a little, I'm afraid, I need peace. We ask God for peace and we ask Him for patience. When was the last time you asked God for joy? I mean, that, I told my, when was the last time, Cole? You're so dumpy, but you don't ask him for joy. You're not just dumpy, you're dwarf. Ask him for joy. It's a free gift. You can ask him. James chapter 4 verse 2 says this, you do not have because you do not ask. So I mean, like, Cole, I, to be honest, I am so depleted. I can't even muster up the strength to ask him for joy. I hear you. Here's the good news. It's actually the other way around. You don't have the strength to ask God for joy, but Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, says it like this. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. You don't need strength to ask for joy. Friend, you need joy so that you have strength. Joy is not just a happy emotion. Joy is not just an endorphin kick. Joy is a resilient, tenacious strength that allows you to face today. How crazy that you and I have left joy unwrapped under the Christmas tree when it's the very thing that's going to give you strength to face today. In fact, the scriptures push the point further. Not just that we would have joy to face today, but in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 25, it says it like this. It says, she, and it could be she or he, it's speaking about a, a, a woman here, but, but she is clothed in strength. How do you get strength? The joy of the Lord is your strength. She is clothed in strength and dignity, and she can laugh at the days to come. There is a joy that God is wanting to give you and I that puts wind in our sails, that gets us bouncing out of bed, that says, I don't just have strength for today, but I can laugh at the days to come. I have a joy and a strength in my heart that allows me to laugh at the days to come. Friend, we have to ask God for joy. Every day, ask God for joy. The third, let, let me just say this before I go into the third point. If I'm talking to a young guy about his purity, young old guy, but often because I was a youth pastor, I talk about purity to young guys. I'd always say to them, I'm like, hey, let's apply a new strategy. Let's go on the offensive instead of the defensive. Every time you end up falling because you watch that pornography or lust or you do something stupid with your girlfriend, all these things, it doesn't make sense to pray when you're falling or fall in. You can but that's not the best time. That's a defensive strategy. We need to apply an offensive strategy, which means if you truly want to be pure, you and I need to commit for the next six months that we're going to pray, or particularly you're going to pray, every single day you're going to get up and go, God, I choose to be pure today. I ask for your grace to be pure today. And before I even think about falling, I'm asking you for purity. It's an offensive strategy. We need to apply offensive strategy to joy. Some of you are grumpy, disheartened, depressed, and you're going, God, I need your help. And then that's it. 
Now, you, some of you need to apply an offensive strategy here and go, God, every day for the next six months, until it happens, I'm going to declare your joy. I'm done with being grumpy. I'm done with being depressed. I'm done with being disillusioned. I'm done with the devil winning. So ask God for joy. The next point is choose joy. Can't just ask God for joy. It's a little tougher than that. You've got to choose joy. Psalm 43, verse 5. I'm going to read it in three different versions because they all give different words. It says, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Psalm 43, verse 5. Another version says this. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why the unease within me? I love that word because I think it describes a lot of you today. You're just like, I just don't know what it is. I just, I just, I just feel uneasy. I just, I just, I just, something's not right. This is what the scriptures are taking on here. It's why are you so downcast? Why the unease within me? I will put my hope in God. Psalm 43 verse 5, last version says this. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will put my hope, I will put my hope, I will put my hope. I choose to put my hope in God. Friends, you have to choose joy. It's a choice. Some of you are like, yeah, but it's fake. It's not fake. It's not pretentious. It's a choice. I choose daily to be patient with my kids. It's not pretentious. It's not fake. It actually takes a deep dive where I need to rely on God, and then I need to apply what God has given me, patience. Why would it be different when it comes to joy? Choose joy. Make a choice in your life that says, I will put my hope, I will put my trust in God. I will be able to laugh at tomorrow because joy is my strength. But you have to choose joy. I must choose daily to exchange my downcast, discouraged, disturbed soul for joy. And you know you can do that. It doesn't mean, friends, it doesn't mean that you f- always feel like that. It doesn't mean that it always works like a magic wand. But it's a choice to go, yeah, I, I don't actually feel great today. I am overwhelmed. I am anxious. I am fearful. I am not doing well. Today, I choose joy. Many of us leave the gift unwrapped under the Christmas tree, which is why one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm, I forget the reference, but I do love the scripture. Uh, No, let's not, there it is, Psalm 118 verse 24. I I nearly quote this every day. I certainly, anytime I get around volunteers, staff members, anybody that like we got to, I quote, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This, this day is the day that my God has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. When I wake up and I'm feeling heavy, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Do you know what the scripture does for me? Firstly, this is the day that my God made. This is not just Sunday because yesterday was Saturday. This is not just another day. This is a day that my God handcrafted, which means if I'm open to it, there's miracles, there's signs, there's wonders, there's opportunities. There's a brilliant opportunity for exchange. There's the ability to move from darkness into light because this is the day that my God made. Once I understand that, friends, then my appropriate response is simple. I 
will rejoice and be glad in it every day. Why? Because this is the day that He has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will choose joy. I will continually choose joy. When you wake up and you're grumpy and you're ugly to be around, choose joy. And if you've got a husband or a wife, ask them to speak to you nicely and tell you to choose joy. And when they tell you to choose joy, don't get more grumpy. Because dumpy doesn't belong in this house. Friends, once you have got a revelation that you are Jesus' joy, then you will truly be able to receive and experience God's joy. Then you begin to ask Him for it. Then you choose it on a daily basis. You've got one more thing to do. And that last thing is that you have to protect that joy. Protect your joy. You've got got to protect that joy. You've got to make sure that it doesn't, it doesn't get stolen from you, that it doesn't get taken from you. And let's be honest, nothing takes our joy like load shedding. Some of you, it's like a switch. It's like everything's fine, load shedding. Ah, the spirit There's only one thing worse than load shedding. And that's when the lights come back on and disappear in two minutes. <laughs> then you're like, now how long? Days. It's going to be days. I know it. It's days. It happens every time and I don't understand it. How come? And Friend, I make, I make light, but I do tell you that John chapter 10 verse 10 says it like this. The thief, the enemy, the devil comes to rob, kill, and destroy. He is a killjoy. He's after your joy. He really, he's after it. So he will do everything he can to steal your joy. Make no mistake, you may, you may not know this, but all of hell does. When, when you woke up this morning, hell had an assignment. Hell had an assignment. Hell was coming after your joy. And friend, if we don't protect, it's crazy. It's like, it's, it's like we just let somebody in our house take whatever they want. You've got to protect that joy. Be like, you, get out of my house. You can't have that joy. It's my joy. You don't have a right to take my joy. Friends, some of us, it's like 30 seconds in the morning, one little argument with our wives, and yeah, we're grumpy for the rest of the day. It's one bit of traffic. Yeah. Your joy is just take. We have to see the strategy of the enemy because let me be profoundly clear. The devil knows that if he takes your joy, it doesn't just take your joy. It takes your body. I'll show you. I'll show you. It says this in the scriptures. It says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. A joyful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Some of you, some of you, you're a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
Friend, I'm just being, I'm being kind as I be truthful. Your body will shrivel up because you have not chosen joy, you have chosen grumpy. You have chosen dissolute. I'm not saying your life is, isn't hard and things don't, but you still have a choice. And God knows that a cheerful heart, a joyful heart is medicine. Some of you have left the medicine under the tree. You've, a, you've, a, you've appropriated, you've assumed the role of, some of you have been grumpy for so long. It's like, you're just ready. Christmas season, you will be the grumpy uncle sitting in your chair. Bring me another beer. Friend, you actually need to get intentional around your joy. You need to seek it. You need to go after it. You need to protect it. You, you, you need to find ways to be joyful. Uh, some of you need to go and what? Uh, the most, I was thinking this morning, going, I, I can't believe this is going to be my last point I preach as a pastor here in the church, but <laughs> the most spiritual thing that some of you can do is just laugh. You, you, you're so serious. You, you've taken some weird doctrine of Christianity that says the more serious you are, the more Jesus-like you are. Friend, you're going to get to heaven. It's going to be a comedy show. They're going to stick all you grumpy people in the corner and say, don't come here. You, 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 need, you, need, you need it. Laugh. Last night I was at a wedding. I've been preparing the sermon. And I was like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to laugh. I'm going to find people to laugh with. And like, you're like, that's a duck. Some of you need to find funny friends. You need to go to stand-up comedy. You need to watch a comedy show tonight. You need, one of my, one of my best friends, Beggy Masakani, he's a pastor. Every time I'm with him, we laugh. Loud, completely obnoxious, ruin everybody else's day kind of laughter. If you heard Beggy laugh, you know what I love, but doesn't he, I, I know I'm not that funny, but like I'll just drop a line and he's laughing and I'm laughing and it's just, it's just fun. We, we have to choose joy and we have to protect that joy because John 10 verse 10 says that the enemy comes to rob, kill and destroy. But it says that Jesus came to bring life and life to the full. And friend, let me tell you, even on this side of eternity, with tears, with pain, we can still rejoice, like Philippians 4 verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I tell you, rejoice. How are you and I going to do that? We're going to make sure that we recognize and understand with a revelation that you, you friend, are Jesus' joy. Number two, you're going to ask him for joy. Number three, you're going to choose joy. And number four, you're going to protect joy with your life. And every day that the enemy tries to rob that from you, you're going to say loud, there's no dumpy in my house. There is no dumpy in my house. So we're going to take a moment right now to thank God 
Because there's nothing quite like gratitude to remove dumpy from our lives. And friend, just like you do in every other sphere of your life, business, your finances, you've got to get intentional. So right now, before we stand, maybe it's going to take you 30 seconds to stand, but you need to take out your phone and you need to write down five or 10 things you're thankful for. Do not just get up and sing, I'm thankful. Start to think. Some of you are like, I don't even have one thing. Well, friends, stay seated then. But as soon as you got five, you stand up and you sing to God. Because you know what you're doing? You're doing like the psalmist said. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Why so disillusioned? Why so depressed? Why so sad? Why so uneasy? I choose to put my hope in my God. Therefore, I will be clothed with strength and dignity. And I will laugh at tomorrow. Why? Because I put my hope and my trust in God. So when you're ready, the band worship team are going to lead us in this song. When you're ready, you stand to your feet and you sing out with everything that you have in your lungs. 